Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include but are not limited to professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Your discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrigan and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we'll be answering the age-old question, what are my spouse and I allowed to do in the bedroom? Now, if you couldn't tell by the title of this episode, um, this is this is the kind of conversation that you know is not going to be appropriate for every audience out there. So this is not the kind of episode that you need to go and and sit down and listen to with your grandma uh, right beside you and, and you guys discussing what's being said. So just consider that as you're listening to this episode. But, um, you know, with a question like this, this is one that in my personal experience, Tim, I've I've run into a lot of people who are are very confused when it comes to how to answer this question, especially, you know, people about my age, people younger than me, they they seem to be very confused. They have a lot of questions um, in in regards to the topic of sex, and you know, not not necessarily like is it wrong to have sex outside of marriage. I think that's a pretty obvious. You know, if you look at the Bible, that's a there's a pretty obvious answer there. But then within the confines of marriage, what am I allowed to do? You know, and and looking back on my life, I can't really think of very many examples, if any at all, uh, where I felt like the church really did address this conversation. And in my experience, it feels more like the church has largely ignored this conversation and you're really not, you know, you're not allowed to ask this kind of question. Normally with our intro, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of saying like, Hey, the age old question, you know, blah, 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 whatever. We're kind of saying that facetiously because the questions that we're presenting are typically, you know, questions that are like, so, you know, like they they haven't been around. A lot of them haven't been around that long. They're not like age old questions, but then somehow, some way they are questions that you're not really um, allowed to ask. And this one feels sort of like the chief of all unaskable uh, questions oh, from my experience. Yeah. So so why why is that, Tim? Before we get to answering the question itself, why is it that this question is so unaskable? within you know within you know the church uh within the church you know the religious sphere or christian sphere 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a variety of answers to this, some of which are better and some of which are worse. So um, I think if you're you're trying to answer a question along these lines, uh, the church really, I think they, I'll start with a good and maybe then transition into some of the, what I perceive to be negative uh, reasons that they're not willing to have it. But I mean, I, th- I think with the good, um, the good reasons, you know, over and over again, if you read through like the Song of Songs in particular, you're going to find a phrase, um, you know, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken or stir up love until it pleases. And so you, you're going to find that expression that's a repeated theme throughout that book. And I think there's a very real concern that people have to um, not, you know, go into all the gory details about this kind of topic in audiences in particular to where, you know, those individuals might um, not be able to lawfully enjoy this aspect of married life. And so, you know, you're, you're living in a world that's like very sexualized and and there was a sense, I think, in particular with the older generation where you wanted to, you know, reserve childhood to be a time of innocence. And, you know, it's, it's not really like a time where you want them to be thinking about all of these things uh, sure. on a regular basis. Yeah. Because you they're want to in protect a, them from temptation. You, yeah, you want to protect them from temptation and just out of control kind of curiosity. And like um, these are, you know aspects of life that they're not going to be able to lawfully experience for a long time. And so you want to guard their like state of innocence in that way. And then, you know, if you have individuals who are post-puberty and who are not married yet, you don't want to just like um, bring up all these like topics that their, bi- you know, their bodies are screaming at them that they're made, you know, to have sex. And, and then you don't want to just you know, rub their nose in the fact that they can't right now and just get them to, you know, dwell on it and so i think that the admonition in the song of songs song of songs um do not awaken or stir up love until it pleases there are ways that you can be kind of a temptation towards people in this way uh whether they're just like really young putting thoughts in their brain they don't really need to know about right now uh whether they're you know individuals who you know they're at that time where they should be starting to think about these things but then they don't have an outlet for that and just you just be you know, becomes a, a roadblock, a temptation towards them. So I think, I think some of those things are good. Um, and then, you know, as it relates to, you know, just the subject matter in general, we're living in a, you know, a society right now that is definitely influenced by porn um, to a very high degree. And so this question really does come about in this sort of society. And you're talking about like individuals your age, you have a lot of questions now. Like it, it may be that, you know, 50 years ago, you didn't have the same kind of questions that you would, you know, our generation has or your your generation has. And that's just simply because there wasn't you know, near as much depravity out there as right. there used to be. And so right. there wasn't, you know, near as much, um, you know, deviant forms of sexual, you know, options out there that, have become normal to people like to even talk about. And I, and I do think it, one of the things Ephesians says is, you know, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So, uh, you know, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Uh, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. So I think like there's this idea that, you know, a lot of the subject matter of maybe even today's episode will be, including some of these things that are unfruitful works of darkness that sh- that are even shameful to speak about and that you know people have to exercise great caution in how they 
talk through these things because you don't want people to, you don't want people to take a bath in filth like you don't want them to just uh, have their mind you know filled with uh, every form of wicked evil depravity that's out there um and you know just unhelpfully so and so but at the same time it says you know take no part in this but rather expose you have to expose them so you have to like and here's the thing that i think is the frustrating part of what you're talking about where i think the church really has like in a desire to not take part in these unfruitful works of darkness and like a good desi- good like you know um understanding that it's shameful to even speak about these things they're not doing the job of actually exposing them so you do have to actually expose these things as being bad and that doesn't mean just like dragging the you know people's you know nose through the mud so to speak uh, as you're talking about some of these things but you do have to tell them like warn them where the dangers are and if you're just far too afraid to even go there then you're going to be in a situation where like like we're living in a society right now where porn is basically discipling all of our young men on how to love a woman and if porn is discipling all of your young men in your congregation, nature abhors a vacuum. And so, like, porn's discipling them. If you're unwilling to do it because you're so embarrassed and so ashamed even to have these kind of conversations, then don't be surprised when, you know, most of your, um, you know, men in your congregation are trying to reenact, you know, the porn that they watched and you know, the women and their, you know, their wives are basically not having much of it. And you have all this conflict when you could just help them and you could give them guidance. And so I think there is kind of a spinelessness um, and, you know, maybe a prudishness of the older generation to the point where like it used to go without saying that, you know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And, you know, but then if you're not going to speak on these issues, nature abhors a vacuum. If you're not going to give any guidance or give any direction, then, you know, basically you're just, you're just failing to disciple there. So part of what we have to do is teach uh, people all that Jesus began to do and teach. And these are just normal questions that someone has to answer. And, you know, I've looked far and wide and there's very few people out there who are willing to even provide basic answers to these kind of questions because I mean, what you, you don't want to be like the, you know, like when Driscoll tried to answer a lot of these questions, like the broader evangelical world kind of turned on him. And I mean, part of it's because he, you know, a lot of his answers were absolutely horrible. And part of it was the way he went about doing it. Like, you know, like he uh, did it from the pulpit or whatever, talking about all these things from the pulpit and mixed audiences and everything else. So part of it's that, part of it's his answers, horrible. Part of it's the tone that he had in doing it. But then part of it was just the fact that he was answering it too. And so, sure. so I think you have to, you know, you have to be willing to talk about these things. And if you don't, then, you know, don't be surprised if people are confused and your marriages aren't going the way they should. Right. Yeah. Someone, they're going to seek answers and they're going, you know, someone's going to answer the question for them. Someone. Right? Yeah. And, and I think there's a place to do something like, like in this text says that's shameful. So, you know, and, and I mean, just to give you an example of how this works, I mean, like it's not necessarily always a sin to do something shameful if you have a redemptive purpose in doing it. And, um, you know, so like you have like shameful category in the Bible, you have sin category in the Bible. And when God asks, you know, prophets to do things that were shameful at times, like going and marrying a prostitute or like cooking their food over feces, feces, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As an object lesson uh, for um, uh, shame and humiliation <laughs> at that point. So there's a redemptive purpose to that kind of thing. And so like that's not objectively wrong, it's just shameful. And you, you have to do like there's times where Paul just plays the fool, right? So he says, let me engage in a little folly. Let me engage in a little shameful behavior to make a point. And so I think there is a sense in which, yeah, like, you know, talking through some of the filth here that we're going to talk about today, it's certainly shameful. 
but then you have to expose what's God honoring and what's not, and you have to have someone willing to do it. And I, I wish there would be more people out there who were willing to risk, you know, the responses in order to actually provide helpful uh, information to people. Right. Okay. So, you know, in actually, you know, so obviously our, our hope here is to try and have a helpful conversation that will answer uh, this very question for a lot of people. But I think before we really get there, it might be helpful, Tim, just to talk through some of the basics, um, you know, when it comes to sex and, and, you know, what God designed it for, uh, you know, we're not going to give like a birds and the bees conversation here, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I think it would be helpful. You need that. To just, we have a different problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's a different, you know, yeah, different, a problem that we're having at that point. But, you know, I think a lot of people kind of, they often lose sight, especially in the current, uh, you know, cultural climate that we live in, they often lose sight and need to be reminded uh, in terms of what sex is and what it is not. So why don't we start, Tim, by just, you know, answering the question, number one, um, what is the purpose of sex? You know, so God, God obviously gave sex as a gift, you know, that's meant to be, um, you know, only within the confines of marriage, right? So, uh, what was the purpose that he actually, is it just like, you know, Hey, here's some, you know, here's something, um, here's something to do, you know, <laughs> you know, or like what, what is the purpose? Why did he give it to us? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a variety of purposes that you can think about when you're answering a question like this. And, you know, some of them are weighted, um, differently. And, you, you know, I think if you, if you were to ask like what, like to the world, like what is the purpose of sex? Well, the world's purpose of sex is just obviously just like pure pleasure. So it's just all about like pleasure. It's all about enjoyment. It's all about um, finding new and creative ways to, you know, achieve, you know, the ultimate, ultimately it's all about the God of the orgasm essentially. And so that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's essentially the world's perspective of it. And then a Christian perspective of it i mean i think it's significantly different than that but that doesn't mean that um pleasure is not a part of it too so you know when you think about like god's purpose in this act in general it's you know it's obviously something the bible says is reserved for marriage so it's essential feature of marriage uh for this reason man will leave his father and mother hold fast to his wife the two will become one flesh Um, this is you know your definition of marriage in general in the old covenant but then like that definition of marriage in the old covenant is to is very uh, clearly tied to sex itself so for this reason man shall leave his father and mother hold fast to his wife to become one so sex is just you know part of what makes marriage different from every other relationship out there. So right. like, like, so for many people, like marriage, like like the standard, like unbelieving view of marriage in general is that marriage is there to kind of be a financial arrangement or, you know, a sentimental kind of opposite sex bestie relationship where two people do life together, you know, and hang out, you know, so it's just like a roommate kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, it, with the with Christians, then it's like a roommate thing with benefits, right? So, mm-hmm. like it's a roommate thing. Plus, you get to have sex now, um, and like you know, if you want to, right? So, like even for Christians, it's not necessarily an essential component of marriage. Along these lines, it's kind of like a you. It's a roommate uh, with sexual privileges kind of relationship. But then, when you think about what like the Bible's perspective of it is, this is an essential 
like feature of what makes marriage marriage is that it's a sexual relationship. But then, I mean, thinking about like the first command given to the human race, and at least in terms of the order of operations within the biblical narrative is God, you know, created man. He says, it's not good for him to be alone and be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Right. So be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make a helper fit for him. Then he prays all the animals in front of him in front of man and there's no helper suitable found for a man among the animals so god creates woman as a special like you know creation derivative creation from adam taken from his rib in order to help him to do what god designed him to do which was to fulfill that blessing be fruitful multiply fill the earth and subdue it so i think like a christian view of marriage a christian view of sex is that sex is designed like a means that's designed by god towards like in the first instance obviously within the text procreation Right. Sure. So, yeah. so sex is fundamentally tied to procreation, meaning, like you have a man and a woman who are uniquely de- designed by God with certain parts that are meant to come together. Right. They're meant to come together, and the design of them is to produce children like that in the first instance. That's what they're for. And so, like when you live in a world that's like post birth control, one of the things that happens is that you almost like, like you're just tempted to take like a secondary, like secondary functions of sex and make them the primary functions and so you're tempted to miss the obvious like obviously these parts were designed to fit together and if you let them do what they were designed to do the natural result of that is baby right life yeah (laughs) yeah the bringing forth of new life that's what they're designed to do in the first instance like so i mean it's like a you know you ask what is a hammer designed to do a hammer is designed to you know drive a nail into a piece of wood right Mm -hmm. so you think about that now like it may give you a sense of accomplishment it may give you a sense of fulfillment it may like um you know help you work out it may like it may do a lot of other things but in the first instance that was designed for a particular task and there's all sorts of secondary stuff that come from it but in the first instance it has a kind of a primary thing and i would say that children like like no one ever Everyone knew this before birth control that sex was ultimately first. Well, not everyone, but I mean, you know, Christians knew this first and foremost an act of procreation. But then I do think it, it obviously like it's um, created for pleasure too. Okay, mm-hmm. so like meaning like that's a secondary like so you have secondary functions um, like pleasure. Um, so you know, like a woman has a you know for a woman has a clitoris and that's just an organ that's designed specifically to give her pleasure and it has no function other than that you know and so mm-hmm. it's like god's uniquely designed it to be an enjoyable thing and then he's designed like men and women to have hormones that pull them towards wanting to do that very act and then he's made it fun you know he could have made it like a boring thing um, but he made it a fun thing to be enjoyed within the context of marriage and not only that it's like a thing that's supposed to be unifying like in in terms of relationally unifying i, I mean if you um there's nothing that brings a couple together quite like sex does, right? Right. Okay, so I mean, like, well, that's the Bi- tr- you know, the Bible explicitly describes it as you know, two become one, two becoming one, right? Yeah, I mean, but you know, there's been couples that like struggle in this area, and you know, that I've counseled, and you know, once they kind of got their ducks in a row, so to speak, um, you know, the couples basically just said that, like they like it. Not only did when they quit fighting that, quit resisting that, did they feel like, like, did they enjoy it? I mean, but then they, it also feels closer and it feels unifying. And so I think it's designed for a lot of things. I think it's designed to be like an expression of love. It's designed to be pleasurable. It's designed for procreation. It's designed, um, 
you know, for all these things. So I, I think that uh, it God has many, you know, multifaceted kind of purposes designed for this thing. Okay. So, um, so you've laid out a little bit of, you know, what, what sex is actually for. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of different, you know, I, I, I have a bunch of different things I'm going to ask you about in terms of, is this right? Is this right? Is this, you know, is this something sure. that we should be able to do? One, you know, one thing that I'll say again, just so we're all clear is when we're having this conversation, we're having this specifically in the confines of, of a, a marriage, a man and a woman uh, who have exchanged vows with one another. Uh, you know, we're not talking about like, it, Hey, is it sinful to do this with your, girlfriend is it sinful to do this with your boyfriend all of those things sex is sinful outside of marriage and so hopefully everyone's clear on that but i just want to make that statement again for everyone who's listening um but you know so like i said i just have i have a list of things that you know are probably like you know i assume the most popular things the things that people wonder about the most i'm you know there's no end to all of the various you know ways people um you know choose to have sex with one another and obviously porn has has really sort of um you know has really just screwed all of this up it screwed up guys and girls in terms of thinking about how they think about sex and how they view sex how they view themselves uh in sex and how they view the other person in sex and so there's no end to all of the different acts that people have come up with um, to perform during sex and, and we're not going to be able to answer every single one of those but I, I do think these are probably the most common ones um, that people or common have questions question. people have yeah the most common questions that people have when it comes to sex I, I don't know that anyone could ever give like a fully exhaustive list especially just or because we want to <laughs> yeah yeah I mean at, at a certain point you're kind of you're kind of beating a dead horse right and and um, so but Okay, when it comes to certain sex acts, you know, we know we know what sex is. We're not going to give a birds and bees talk here. We know what the official like here is what sex is and this is good, right? Yes. I mean, yes, so we know what standard intercourse is for sure. Right, right. So so we're not going to spell that out. We don't have to, you know, take time to explain, "Hey, is this good?" God has said it's good in the confines of marriage. It's a gift to us and so we you know that's not really a question but then there are other certain acts that are very much like a you know is god honored by this is this something that he is okay with a husband and wife doing together and so so tim we'll just we'll run through some of these and and you just give your answers to them and and i'll probably ask some follow-up questions to them but we'll the one we'll start with um is masturbation so a husband and wife uh can they you know I guess this is, you know, technically two questions in one. Can they, you know, masturbate themselves, right, uh, right. together, together? So this isn't like a, hey, I'm by myself, you know, I'm thinking about my wife or whatever. It's a, hey, we're together. We're both, we're both, um, you know, masturbating on our own um, in the same room. Uh, is that okay? And then the other, uh, the other version here is, is it okay to uh masturbate one another so i'm not doing it to myself i'm doing it to my spouse and vice versa yeah so i think with the first one you just you have sex is obviously it's something that's designed to bring 
bring two people together. And so when you're thinking about something along these lines, um, you know, the, you're very, you very much are talking about something that's supposed to be um, selfless. And so, you know, one of the checks that I would probably give to most of the things that we're talk about over the course of this episode is, is, is the check of like selfishness essentially. And so, you know, there's nothing that's really more self uh, focused than masturbation. So masturbation is self focused in general. And, like you know, there's plenty of people who ask questions along these lines, and you know, is it okay if I do that if I'm thinking about my wife and that kind of thing? And um, and you know, the answer is no. I mean, this this is supposed to be um, like God's given sex, and sex is supposed to be two becoming one. Like that's what sex actually is. So if you think about your definition of sex, sex is two becoming one, and it's primarily an act that you're supposed to give. So you know, the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, in this kind of context, you know, what you're doing is you're just basically just training yourself in selfishness. It's not you know, sex is not really designed to be the kind of thing where it's just two people separately giving themselves you know pleasure uh, and in close proximity to each other or anything like that so i mean this this really is it's something that's supposed to be done in the context of uh, or is, uh, sex is supposed to be done in the context of marriage it's supposed to be a selfless kind of act not uh, self-centered giving yourself uh, pleasure kind of act so i mean but then i mean moving beyond that kind of thing um you know giving your spouse pleasure i i think you know this is something that um you know the bible says that your wife's body belongs to you if you're a husband you know uh you you um you have authority over it she no longer has authority over her body uh, and in the same way she has authority over your body she can do with it what she seem what she pleases and so i mean there's a lot of like yeah touching that's a part of normal marriage um in general and you know it like Marital intimacy is meant to be just an experience for all five six five uh, senses, so to speak. So, like it's something that's um, you read through the book of Song of Songs, and you're going to find that um, you know their body now belongs to you. It's yours to enjoy. It's yours to figure out. It's yours to like it. Like it's no longer theirs. It's yours. And so, like I think it'd be really kind of weird if you are adopting some sort of position that basically says that. Um, you know, you're not allowed to touch your wife now, or your wife's not allowed to touch you now. Like you can touch her back, but you can't touch, you know, sexual parts that would give her pleasure or something along those lines. <laughs> and so, yeah. You know, um, that would be so, that would be a pretty strange conclusion yep. to come to. You pretty know? strange, yep. So, um, so going back to like the the self masturbating one, where sure. you're both you're both together. You know, so basically, your stance there is to say, hey, this isn't something that is actively um, you know, giving to your spouse, right? right? That's something that you're performing on yourself, right? And they just sure. happen they just they happen to be there with you. Now is there any is there any like room there to say like, you know, I could I could see a situation where a spouse says like, hey, you know, I like I like it when you do that to yourself. Right. Like when we're when we're having sex together, I like to see you doing that because it tells me, you know, like um, you're attracted to me or you desire me or whatever. Like, so is there any room there in that kind of context to say, well, maybe that casts a different light on it or is it still the same thing in your mind? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's still the same. You want to train yourself in being selfish, then you can train yourself in being selfish. I think it's your spouse's job to give that to you, and I think you're surrendering that part of yourself to them, like for them to take care of, for them to steward, and it's not something that you need to like um, take on your own any anymore. And so, I mean, I think one of the biggest struggles that, I mean, particularly men have before marriage is to, you know, basically uh, – try to take care of that themselves right Mm -hmm. and it's often a struggle that many men have in the context of marriage uh too you know and many women have in the context of marriage too and so i think trying to say that that um that is designed for you like and this is your responsibility and giving that totally over to them as a responsibility is something that they're doing i think you're um yeah at the very least it's the wisest way to go about do, you know this kind of topic in general to say this you know i belong to you and you're you're the one who's in charge of doing that to me and i need to look to you yeah to fulfill those kind of things and not be you know looking to myself to fulfill those things myself uh, in that way and you know i mean I, I think it's kind of like a really this is probably one of those incomprehensible conversations 50 years ago or something like that uh-huh. like to where um like now, um, so what's happened is, you know, with the advent of porn, one of the things that's happened with porn is everything's about the orgasm. It's not about coming together. It's not about a mutual act of self-giving at that point. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's all about like self-focused. Let's make this like the most intense pleasure that we can get imaginable. And, you know, it's, you just have a different agenda there. Instead of two people giving to each other, you have like every kind of form of selfishness that you can imagine. Okay. So, Okay. All right. Well, so the next, um, you know, the next thing we'll ask about then is oral, oral sex. Um, so, you know, this is like a, a pretty, you know, I think this is a pretty common thing that I know a lot of people who have wondered about this in the past. And, and I remember I, you know, I, I've had questions about this as well. So what is the stance when it comes to oral sex? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe um, maybe it's good to talk about like oral and talk about um, anal together. So I'll just okay. talk about both of those two things together and okay. just talk about things that are similar, things that are different. But um, yeah, I, I I mean, those are just um, I mean, those kind of conversations are exponentially more. You know, when, you know, after porn, I mean, these are the kind of things that are exponentially more. Um, featured as parts of the conversation that people are talking about in a way that, you know, past generations may not necessarily even, like, particularly with, like, sodomy, like, if you're talking about sodomizing your wife or something like that, that wouldn't even be on the radar. So you have two things like that that are just very much um, parts of, you know, modern curiosity. And, you know, what one response I would have to both of that is just to say, I just, I think we shouldn't expand our definition of sex um, beyond what sex actually is. And so, like, that doesn't answer your question. That's just a uh, principle to put into this conversation. And so, you know, one of the things that's happened with porn is that you you have to have, like, a definition of, like, sex sex that includes every kind of deviant form of um, relationship that exists in that way. So, like, me- meaning, like, like, anal sex is kind of like a oxymoron. Is what it is, like meaning it's not sex. Like that's the problem with it. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the primary problems with anal. Like anal is it, like that's not sex. That's just um, like that's sodomy, right? So like you shouldn't like like. And the reason why it's not sex is because sex is an act between a man and a woman who are designed to come together 
as you know they're designed to do <laughs> okay and so then what's happening is you have like like with something like anal you have like um essentially one part that's designed to be a solid waist shoot and then another part that's supposed to designed to fit together in a woman right mm-hmm. and so you're putting those two things together and you're in in language of romans like that's contrary to its its design so like this is contrary to nature and the reason why i call it that like i call it a solid waste shoot is not because i'm just trying to be gross but because i'm trying to remind people about how um what it like actually fact- is yeah, yeah the, what it actually is the ick factor in all of this like you know part of what's happened is you you know you watch tv shows and um they're you know the you know the the smiling sodomite's always the wittiest, the best dressed, uh, the most clever. You know, clever. He's just normal. He's just like everyone else, right? But then what he's talking about is he's talking about something that's deeply shameful and deeply gross. Like it should be a gross, repelling thought to think about going anywhere near feces. You know, like Jews would be just absolutely grossed out by that and disgusted by that. Mm-hmm. And so, like when you're talking about like these two things, like I don't, I don't think you want to expand your meaning of sex like sex is sex sex is sex mm-hmm. right so now if you have to expand it to include the kind of things that same sex couples do then you're you're basically just redefining a word for the sake of being inclusive to a bunch of sexual perverts if mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. and so like you know oral sex is not sex whatever that is like it's not sex anal sex is not sex it's just like Whatever it is, it's like there are different forms of sexual touching designed to give, like the ultimate serve the ultimate god of the orgasm. But they're not necessarily d- designed as sex is designed in the Bible to give, like to procreate, to bring life and to bring pleasure and everything else. And so you just basically you just have perversion. You have like um, you have things that are just like um, like when taken as a whole. They're distorted pictures of what sex is supposed to be. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, but are you so are you then saying that like anything besides the actual literal act of sex is um, like what what we're talking about when we're talking about a man and a woman? Or are you saying, well, yeah, is, is that what you're saying? That any of it's wrong because it's a distortion of of it. The, right, so, because it's not like literally sex. No, I'm just saying it's a redefinition. At the okay. so so there's okay. a variety. So you think about like you have a woman who has a vagina, and that vagina is designed for sex. And so you know have a man and a woman designed to fit together in the context of that. And so what porn has done is basically replaced the woman with all sorts of other things, right? So mm-hmm. it replaced it with like a anus. It's replaced it with, you know. Um, like masturbation in a certain sense is kind of replacing that with a hand, you know, um, whether, you know, your wife or you, uh, so like, um, are, are performing the act basically. Like, so you replace it with an anus, a hand, you mouth, like, um, machine, right. You know, whatever, like, but whatever you do, what I'm trying to say is at very start, you just don't want to call that sex. So don't call it sex. It's not okay. sex. Okay. Right? Right. So, I mean, you know, if you're going to call it sex, you're just doing it in quote, right? Like anal sex, right? Mm-hmm. Well, scare <laughs> quotes. Scare <laughs> quotes. Yeah. It's like not like that's not what it actually is. It's a parody. Like that's a parody at that point. So, all right. So both of that, like that logic applies to both of those things. And then like in the, in the case of, um, 
anal like you talk about something like anal first like i i think like the problem with that is like you're like you're literally treating your wife like you like 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 she's some sort of like gay lover to you mm-hmm. and that should be repelling that should be repelling to the christian like that should absolutely like i i think that should be absolutely horrifying and horrendous and like you know not only are you risking damaging damaging her permanently but like you know if you wanted like um like, do you want a woman or do you want a man? You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and if there's something about you that's pulled towards that, that's not coming from the Bible, like using, um, you know, in fact, like, you know, Romans 1 talks about, like, they're doing, like, part of the sin of sodomy is that you're doing what's contrary to nature. Like, so you're using those parts in a way that they're not designed, and they're not designed to receive that form of, you know, pleasure. And so, you know, basically, like, I would have the strongest words of condemnation towards the kind of guy who's trying to do that to his wife. Mm-hmm. I would say that you're not you're not getting that from the Bible. You're you're doing something that Paul describes as contrary to nature. And I think you should, you know, um, th- that's only coming from like a perverted brain, basically. Yeah, and like I have note. to I have to think too, like you know, the Old Testament. So the old you know the Old Testament um, obviously had laws against various kinds of um you know like various ways that you could have sex and who you could have sex with right and and the specific punishments for when you went against god's design and you know it's interesting just off the top of my head i can't ever remember um a law that god gave that basically said like you know here's what happens to the man that sodomizes a woman Right now, obviously, there were laws against, um, you know, like sodomy in general. But then that that kind of because I know there were laws against sodomy in general, but there weren't necessarily laws against, um, you know, um, like a, a husband sodomizing his wife. That kind of leads me to just personally think that that kind of thing was probably like completely unheard of for them. Don't, yeah, I mean, it would be. You, un- I mean, is clean, that like it would a be fair? Gross. I mean, God, God talks about like them taking their solid waste, and like if he were to see it in their camp, he would be offended by the fact that he sees it in their camp. Even, right? You know, so you have like, you have like something that's fundamentally unclean, right? It's mm-hmm. it's unclean. It's dirty. It's um, you know, it's gross. It's def- it's offensive to God to be like even thinking along those terms. And so, like, I think you can make a lot, a variety of arguments along those lines, just based on the solid waste component of what we're talking about here, too. You know, so you have a sure. design, and you have like a fear of solid waste kind of discussion <laughs> that most normal, <laughs> like non perverted people should be able to understand. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah. You, um. Yeah. So. Um. It, I, I I think I agree with you there in terms of in terms of like when it comes to anal. So so your your um your argument there is basically to say it's it, it's probably you know it's so God has given us specific laws that relate to sodomy in general, right? Yep. And then you shouldn't be sodomizing your wife. And then there's like the cleanliness aspect of it, and then there's like the hey, you're going to cause damage aspect to it as well right yeah and you know give yourself infections and you know all sorts of things right yeah the cleanliness stuff so what about oral though because you know initially the question was about oral so is oral like in a similar category or is it different Uh, yeah. yeah so i think um 
you know, there's a variety of ways to approach that kind of topic. But then what I'm trying to say, what ties them all together is that they're not, let's not redefine them, right? Okay. And so sex in the first instance is designed to be a man and a woman coming together, you know, with like uh, parts designed with some sort of procreative purpose. And so the, the orgasm isn't first and foremost in the center of the whole project. Like the orgasm, like meaning like just... Uh, like in and uh, of itself, that's the final goal. That's the final purpose of it's it It's not the final goal. It's a means to an end, you know. Uh, and so I think when you have something like oral, then like you can, like that can be like foreplay. That can be, or that can be a, a complete and total distinct act, you know, from start to finish or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be... Like, now, I mean, I don't think, like, as a uh, rule, like, that, um, I don't think as a, um, like, I don't think you have to justify kissing, you know, your, your wife kissing you in that way, right? Or you kissing your wife in that way or whatever. Like, the Bible says, let her breast satisfy you at all times. And I think, like, you, you like, whatever, like, her body now belongs to you, your, you know, your body belongs to her, like, if. Like, I think there's a lot of freedom that can be had within the context of relationship. But then, you know, you know, part of this is like, um, you know, is this some sort of mechanism just to avoid children in perpetuity forever, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have kind of a birth control discussion here that you can talk through. Like, is this that kind of thing? Is it Has it really become replacement for you? Like, just a comprehensive kind of replacement in order to avoid the primary design of this? And so, you know, we have a discussion on, um, um, you know, our couples who refuse to have kids, basically selfish jerks that addresses some of those kind of things there. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's really meant to be kind of a standalone um, thing that, um, I mean, I don't think that's primarily the intention of the act. It's, a, But I mean, like, you know, uh, of of the act in of itself, but then you know I have a hard time just like, like issuing some sort of universal condemnation along those lines in general, you know. Period. Uh, but then I do think that there are, um, like you know, a couple probably shouldn't overthink it too much. And but but I mean I think that sex is supposed to be largely just an act of like mutual giving in that way. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably something pretty strange about just a, you know, a husband just looking at his wife and just saying, Hey, you know, can you give me oral pleasure? That's all I really want from you. I don't want to give anything to you right at mm-hmm. all. Like, I just want to receive from you. And so like in that way, like having just one sided sexual stimulation from start to finish because you're like, that's your request. Right. I think there's something weird about that and there's something that should be like, you can do that and maybe, you know, your spouse will participate or whatever, you know, she may, you know, he or she may fight you on it, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I mean, I think most guys would be pretty weirded out if their wife was just like, Hey, I just want you to do that for me. And I don't really want to do anything for you though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I think most guys would be able to be like, huh? Like, that's weird, you know, Mm -hmm. but then like guys would ask that of their wife and with no concept of how weird that sounds either, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so there, well, there, you know that that kind of points back to the whole like porn thing, and right, and and you know, there probably part of it too is there's you know there's a bit of a more kind of defined ending for the guy than there is the girl, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so so I think like there like that should be kind of like uh, that should be a weird thing just to. Um, 
ask, you know, just asking for something for yourself in that way when this is really designed for you to kind of give and, you know, both of you to give together, you know, kind of thing to where, you know, if it's just like a part of like a normal, like, uh, not like, a, hey, I only want to take from you, but I don't want to give, you know, kind of thing, then you know, that's, that's uh, you know, part of what I would say related to that. So in terms of just, just selfishly asking for, you know, one-sided pleasure, I think in general, you know, there's a lot of ladies who feel used by guys who just feel like they're just like a toilet for that guy who just wants to use them for their orgasm. They don't want anything to do with them relationally. They just need to, you know, like now I got some person that will give me pleasure whenever I want to. I can't do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. According to principle number one. So now I can just look to her to uh, do this thing for me that I want. And so I, I do think there's something kind of strange about like, um, that in isolation as a complete act, act asking just for yourself, like mm-hmm. in, in that way. I mean, I think largely, you know, you should be looking to give to your partner, not just looking to have some sort of, it, it, I mean, you shouldn't be just looking at your par- partner and say, Hey, I want an orgasm. Can you give me one, please? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. right, right. You know, so in that way, now, if it's in the context of, you know, the rest of the, you know, just a normal, you know, foreplay kind of stuff things to get people whatever i think that you're in a different spot there for mm-hmm. sure now one of one of the comments you made i'll i'll ask this real quick and then i think this is probably the last one for you know for oral at least um one of the comments you made was you know if you're using something like oral to be like a a form of birth control right 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 um so if that's what you're doing then and then ultimately you're you're denying you know purpose number one for sex right sure. um but the question i think the question i have after after listening to that is you know if if you're a healthy couple if you're a, a husband and wife who um who like who have who have sex regularly right um you know you're obviously you're you're probably doing you're probably having sex multiple times a week um at that point and if that's the case then you know is there anything to be said about like um like hey we you know we have sex and and you know sometimes sometimes it's like only you know oral for example and then the next time it might just be like just true sex you know um is like, are you in in that realm where it's like, hey, one time it's this, another time it's this, you know, um, uh, we're not like trying to not have kids or or you could even use this with the example of like, hey, like we're already pregnant right now. Right. It's not like we can get double pregnant. Right. Um, you know, so so we might one time do only oral right and and uh is does that like change things at all or is it still like no every time you have sex there it has to be at like true uh <laughs> sex in order to like be uh something that is pleasing and honoring to god yeah no i'm i'm not trying to say that what i'm trying okay. to say is okay. i'm i'm more trying to make a more of a modest statement so like let me see if i can make the distinctions that you're okay. asking me to make at that point and um so you know, Doug, Doug Wilson, I think at some point answered this kind of question and, you know, his, like under one definition of sodomy, sodomy can include anal sex and oral sex. 
in that way because they and they can part to, anal, that's like one of the replacements basically yeah anal and like oral and so you know his his thought process on it if i remember correctly and hopefully i'm not quoting him wrong but i mean his his, his thought process was more just like um as a uh, standalone act, like a replacement for intercourse or whatever, at some point that becomes kind of weird, like right? and meaning, um, like it starts to feel like it's meeting this older definition of sodomy kind of thing that uh, not everyone necessarily agrees upon. And you know, and I I think like um, there's something there that I I think I'm not fully there, but I understand kind of what what is being communicated right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like um like in that like you know mouth is not designed to be seed receptacle kind of thing like in that right. way and so like that's not the natural function and you can kind of like you know reject the good in place of like something else and so like i, I you know i i'm i'm not quite there but i understand where he's coming from like with that like with that kind of reaction i think you know a lot of the older generation probably has that reaction in general and so you know my reaction more is just to say I, i'm not willing to go there but like i don't necessarily think that this should be something that like i think you should go into sex like thinking man i'm i'm here to give pleasure to my spouse sure yeah so i, I want to give pleasure to my spouse that's kind of the Point now, there's a sense in which you know a man has like a libido that's ten times like as active as a woman, right? Right. Uh, on balance of probability, on average, I mean it's not always the case, but generally speaking, man's much more biologically geared to want this more and more and more. But I mean, fundamentally, like um, without diminishing that he may have a greater interest in the topic in general. Um, and there are like biological poles like that are real, real like like I. You know, um, you're here for me to be a source of like um, fulfillment and provision for me in that way. But I don't think you want to treat her like uh, she's just your orgasm machine or something like that. Right. right? That you just kind of like, hey, whenever you want to have your orgasm, you need to come to her because she's gonna the only one who can give it to, you, to her. I mean, it, I think there, there really does need to be like a real sense in which you want to be with her and you want to her to enjoy it and it's not just a me 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 focus kind of thing but then like you know in in the context of a normal healthy relationship i think those are the kind of things that need to be more volunteered like mm-hmm. so if i just say it as modestly as i can those are the kind of things that need to be modest like more volunteered and not just things that are just like demanded so like part of this is a conjugal rights discussion and like this is kind of this is how i generally talk about it and i'll see if i can um see if this is helpful but like a man has conjugal rights to his wife and like conjugal rights are like you know for this reason man will leave father and mother hold fast to his wife to become one and you know first corinthians says like do not deprive you know one another except uh for limited time for the purpose of prayer but then it says but then come together quickly lest satan tempt you for your lack of self-control and so like in this you know concept of like conjugal rights what are conjugal rights conjugal rights are rights to intercourse mm-hmm. proper mm-hmm. so a husband has a conjugal right to intercourse with his wife which is supposed to be a unifying act of mutual giving right right she's designed to receive pleasure from it he's designed to receive pleasure from it he there may be times where she doesn't need the 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 orgasm is you know maybe as much as he does or whatever but like that's what a conjugal right is it's a right to intercourse and so i i wouldn't want a guy to 
you know, or a girl even to think that my conjugal right is to have you give me an orgasm whenever I want it. And then me get like, uh, give you nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, if you define a conjugal right, that, that is a right to intercourse. It's not just a right to like, right. Whenever I tell you, give you give me an orgasm. Then I think that that puts this discussion in a different kind of light. Now, like if a guy were to just like, you know, want to voluntarily kind of give his wife a orgasm just because he thinks it's fun. There's like that her, her body belongs to him. He can do that if he wants to. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because like, like, because like, you know, uh, your, uh, your body belongs to your wife. If she just wanted to give you like sexual pleasure with no thought of receiving, that's perfectly fine, right? So in that kind of context, start to finish, I don't have any kind of thing with that like as a voluntary act. But then once you start getting into the realm of just demanding one-sided, like give me one-sided pleasure just for me, like I would say that's not what a conjugal right is, okay? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like it's something I'm demanding of you. Like I don't think like that should be like a- That's not like a Christ-like- like- <laughs> posture there right. yeah i mean you you're you're giving like that's not what conjugal rights are that's not really like a good posture posture it may have you know um like and it may be that like there are times uh, particularly after your wife has you know a baby or something like that where you just are um like i can imagine scenarios where you, you know your wife just has a baby she's not cleared to have vaginal intercourse for six weeks or something like that and, you know, she looks at you and say, how are you doing? It's like, it's hard. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> this is tough, you know. And she's like, well, let me help, you know. And it's uh-huh. like, I think that's how that conversation should go generally, uh-huh. you know, to where both people are kind of checking up on each other with that kind of stuff. And right. It's not like a, you know, and, and in that kind of context, then what you're, you know, where there's like a, like a wife is like looking at her husband and thinking, I'm the only source of provision and protection and safety for this human being. And they have to come through me. Right. Right. And like, uh, to come to me with this. And then like, I, I'm going to take that on myself and like a good wife would be checking up. How are you doing? You know, like, uh, and then there might be plenty of times where she's like, man, like I'm just in a lot of pain for whatever reason. And, um, you know, he's approached her for intercourse or whatever. And like, let me do something else. You know, and it's like, all right, you know, fine, whatever. Right. So I think that's, that stuff is like kind of normal, like normal relational maintenance, taking care of people, but then just kind of, you know, whether or not it's wrong or just like really unwise, I think it's really unwise just to, you know, be requesting one-sided, you know, intercourse replacement kind of things with no expectation of helping them out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And if you are in that kind of situation, it probably points to a lot of different issues as it relates to things that you've already brought up. Like, Hey, are you guys really, you know, know, are you really thinking about like how much you give to your spouse? Are you trying to be selfless uh, in your love towards your spouse? Are you, are you checking up on one another, right? Considering each other's needs and everything. And, um, uh, you know, probably, probably even more than just that, but okay. So let me see if I can recap real quick. So when it comes to masturbation, your answer was essentially, you know, if it's, 
if it's your your mass you like you're performing that on your spouse that's like totally normal right and and something that is completely fine um if it's something that you're you, you know like you you are masturbating yourself and your spouse is there and she and you know and, and she or he is masturbating themselves of what as well um if that's not outright wrong it's probably unwise to pursue just because you're kind of training yourself in selfishness right yeah, it's a selfish act that's training yourself in further selfishness right right so okay so when it comes to anal you said no wrong don't pursue it <laughs> i will uh, do anything for love but i won't do that but i won't do that <laughs> <laughs> oh okay and then and then for oral it was is sort of a similar thing to masturbation it's like how much are you giving to the other person you know like is oral okay to do uh yes but if you're the kind of person who's constantly demanding you know do this for me do this for me do this for me if you're using it as a way to to keep from having children those kinds of reasonings for it then you've ventured into wrong territory not necessarily because the act itself in a vacuum is wrong but more just because like the motivation behind um yeah, what I you're mean, doing like, is inappropriate right yeah, I mean, I think we could at some point have a whole discussion on birth control, and like right. that isn't that answer isn't necessarily taking a posture one way on the birth control discussion. It's more just saying that, like you, um, yeah, it's it's more just saying that if that becomes some sort of all-purpose replacement for you know children in that way, then you're probably in weird territory for sure. Right. Okay. Well, I have two more um, that I want to I want to ask you about. Um, so we've talked about masturbation, anal, oral, what about role play? So husband and spouse, you know, uh, part of, you know, part of them having sex together is essentially, you know, dressing up a certain way that they probably wouldn't normally dress up or, you know, just outright pretending to be someone that they're not really for the other person. What, what is your view on that? Um, what does the Bible yeah, have I mean, to say I think about that, that's. <laughs> I think that's just one of those topics where it's just like that kind of thing is. Um, I think it's probably just the definition of covetousness. Okay, what do you mean? I mean, you're supposed to not de desire your neighbor's house or wife or you know property or, or, or donkey. whatever, <laughs> donkey or. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think like there's nothing that's more. Um, I think unsettling the thought of like a, hus a husband looking at his wife and basically saying, I wish you were someone else. Right. And Look let me like pretend like you're for me, please. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, that's just like, you know, part of what's happening with porn is porn is training people just to be dissatisfied with what they have. Like, so dissatisfied with, you know, their wife, like, you know, or their husband and want something else. Like you need variety in order, like variety is the spice of life. You need variety in order to be okay. And then, you know, dissatisfied with sex, so you want to redefine it and turn it into all these other things. And, like, you have to kind of get, um, like, in order for it to be exciting, you know, you have to, like, you don't want just bland, you know, vanilla, <laughs> vanilla, you know, just how God designed it kind of sex. But then this is just like, you know, you're literally pretending your wife or your husband is some other person, you know, or some who has some other job or has some sort of, you know, whatever it is, like... Right. Uh, like, like, so what you've done is you've just like 
you know, maybe trained yourself over the course of your life to be attracted to certain categories of things. And then you want your wife or your husband to pretend like they're these things. And so this isn't really about loving them. This is about loving something else and being like you've, you've attached your sexual desires to something else that's not what you have, right? So this is not, you know, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever, just think on these things. You're think you're just pretending you have something else in order to still, because you're tired of what you have, right? So it's like a lack of contentment. It's a lack of like, like it's disengaging from reality and it's, you know, probably covetousness proper. Yeah. That reminds me <laughs> when, when, I, I just remembered this when you brought that up, but when I was younger, um, like in, you know, probably early high school, maybe, um, I would, I would watch, uh, like Nick at night, I think, I guess is what it was called. And, um, the George Lopez show would always come on and it's like, everyone's always, always already asleep, you know, like what else am I going to do? I'm just going to watch the, yeah, I'll just watch this show cause it's on. And I remember watching it one time and there was this one episode where, um, you know, it, so it's like George Lopez is the husband. I, f- I forget who his wife was in the show. And then they have two kids, a uh, high school daughter, and then like a, you know, probably early middle school son, something like that. Um, and the, da- the daughter one day she came downstairs and she was like, why do you, mom, why do you have all of these wigs in your closet? Mm. And <laughs> the mom said, the mom said, you know, I'm many women for your father. <laughs> yeah, and I'm it's like, that, that's like the, that's like the perfect description, you know, like they're presenting that as a joke, but then the reality is that's actually what's happening. Right. Like right. he like, just wants different people. Yeah. Right. He wants different people. And then she's just placating that desire for him. That is not good. Right. And right, so whatever that is, that's not like, like there's something there that, should be killed right? right there's something there that should be killed that isn't like this being fed instead of being killed so like that lack of satisfaction with what you have that lack of contentment you know that lack of i mean like the covetousness there that lurks underneath like that i need something different in order to be excited like that's like um you basically just you're feeding something that needs to be mortified right right and yeah so there's probably like yeah, there's covetousness, probably like some adultery of the heart too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, that. Yep. Um, okay, so role play is a no go then. Um, all right, last one. Uh, what about like BDSM? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I. I. So this is supposed to be like uh, your friend here, your lover, your friend, your partner. Um, you know, a wife, like a husband is to live with his wife in an understanding way, you know, giving honor to the weaker vessel. Like he's supposed to treat her as if she's a treasure, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, I mean, this is just, this is just basically, you know, depravity on full display, this kind of stuff. Like it's just depravity on full display. It's like, like, you know, what you should be doing is nourishing and cherishing your wife. What you shouldn't be doing is hitting her. Mm-hmm. you know, or what, mm-hmm. whatever it is, treating her like garbage, like a slave, whatever, like without going into all that, like, like this is, uh, um, you know, this is, you know, about as uh, perverted of like a perspective of your spouse as you can, you can possibly get like, this is like you, you know, 
hitting me because I want to be hit. Like there's, this is basically a satanic lie. So basically Satan makes everything like bad and turns it into the good, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and then takes the good and turns it into the bad. So say like, you know, just with sex in general, you know, Satan wants to take married sex and make that boring, right? So married sex is supposed to be boring, you know? And so what you need is you need variety. And so like Satan turns everything on his head. So like pain becomes pleasure, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Pleasure becomes pain, right? So, like everything that God describes as good, He wants to make evil, and everything that described as evil, He wants to make good. And so, it's just all about like, has God said kind of thing. And so, this is just taking something that's supposed to be pleasurable and making pain the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So, pain is the pleasure. So, you know, I think that that would be um, just about as obvious of a satanic distortion as you can possibly imagine. Yeah, like dishonor your spouse in the in name order of to, pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I mean, it, you know, the kind of person that actually that's, um, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I I think it was Ted uh, Ted Bundy had basically, you know, describing his path to being a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he said that there was something about so like he was addicted to porn, step one, but then he said there was something about watching violent porn that triggered something in him. Mm-hmm. So where then he wanted to kill people at that point. And so like that was the thing that like, you know, the where he snapped, so to speak, is once he started watching uh, violent porn, then all of a sudden it's like something switched inside of him and then he wanted to harm people. And that's how he, you know, basically uh, he uh, he took his sex sexual desire and attached it to violence and that led to being a serial killer and so i mean i think that's about as big of a warning as you need (laughs) right yeah to not get on that that road (laughs) yeah yeah all right so in relation to that then what about like using um uh toys and stuff yeah i mean i i think the wife um you know i i think that you know we'll gain more moral clarity on that once the once we transition into the next stage of like sex robots and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. I think those things are kind of coming in like pretty soon. And so I think w- once we transition to that, then you'll really realize what's actually happening there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it'll be, it'll be easier. It'll be more clear to see like what the deception to that is. So, I mean, basically just like, so- like, so- like anal, whatever It's just, that's just like, um, treating your wife, like, um, like treating your wife like a your gay lover or something like that, which should be just absolutely repelling to people. I think with the toy kind of stuff, like pretty, I mean, you you'll it's like you know it's basically just you know get, encouraging your wife to you know have adultery with a inanimate object kind of thing. You know, right. so I think at a certain point, people will gain more moral clarity along those lines if they don't have it now. Like, and I think you know most like. Like, I I just, you know, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, maybe some couple, whatever, like, I I just think that there's, like, those are dangerous paths to go down, you know, whenever you're looking to some sort of object or something else to give you sexual pleasure other than your spouse, you know, Mm -hmm. I think you're just training yourself in a kind of, um, like, I'm not receiving from my spouse, I'm receiving from something else, right? Sure. And so, I mean, I think that that just is putting like a bunch of, um, 
I mean, I think women are more sensitive to that kind of thing generally than men are. Like, women are more sensitive to that kind of thing to where, like, a woman, like, if it was the guy or whatever, like, receiving pleasure from the inanimate object, she would look at that as, like, a, like, she might call the thing a her, even, right? Anthropomorphize it. Uh-huh. Like, in that way. And then where it's just like, no, I mean, you don't, you don't need to replace each other with objects, Right. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. It seems kind of like the role play thing in my mind. Like you're training yourself to look to something else besides your spouse. Um, and and then I mean, self-focused in a lot of way and and, or has a propensity to be anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think it trains you in dissatisfaction and stuff too. It's like maybe those things work better, you know? Right. Right. And you can get them in, you know, whatever shape or size or. And then you, you yeah. And then you, you know, there's probably temptations to short circuit the process and say, well, instead of, I'll just go to that thing myself, you know, kind right. of thing instead of going to you. And so I just, I think you're just going, you're just playing with fire there. Right. Uh, and that's, that's not really, you know, and I think like this is, I think sex is mostly meant to be something that's supposed to be unifying the spouse where they're coming together. It's not just supposed to be a, like, let's see if we can find the most creative way to figure out how to use everything possible right. to give the most intense, you know, sexual things imaginable. Right. You know, so, which is not to say like, it can't be a creative thing, but then, you know, yeah, I, you can't, you can't push it to like the, there, yep. there's a line basically. Yeah. I saying. mean, I think that there's a lot of variety and a lot of fun that a couple could have, and we're not going to go into detail describing all the, right. all that. I think there's a lot of variety and a lot of fun, but I mean, I think in general you should be thinking, Hey, it's more blessed to give than receive. And I think what you need is you need two people who are trying to make this good for each other, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make, like trying to make this enjoyable, trying to make this like, unifying like i think you need to get rid of the conflict with each other and you know um like like this is really a test of how the relationship is going in general you know whether or not both people enjoy it both people are looking forward to it i mean there's things that can happen that make it hard you know just trials there's physical trials there's things that can make it just you know more difficult but i mean by and large it should be uh like you le- both people are learning it's more blessed to give than receive and like this you know for it to be what it's supposed to be it should be about two people really just trying to make this like like I love you I care about you this is an expression of our love for each other and our care for each other and I mean there's all sorts of things you can do that just like depersonalize it like you know from start to finish just depersonalize it's just you know treating you like trash treating you like an object treating you like you know like I'm just using you as like a toilet kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I think mostly this should be a kind of thing where, you know, like I think a lot of the older generation, they train people to think like this is bad and like sex is bad because they're trying to get them to flee fornication. So sex is bad. Like be afraid. Yeah. You, if but you I mean, have sex, you will get pregnant and die yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then like, but I mean, I think it's meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to be like, fun you know i think it like i think there's a lot of creativity you can think about but i think a lot of um, like creativity that's out there is just like um train like a kind of creativity that's being fueled by certain vices right and distortions yeah. of what yeah. this actually is and so I do, I do think it should be like fun enjoyable and i, I mean there's you know it, it could be that you know 
for whatever, like one spouse is, you know, much more interested in the whole project than another spouse. And I don't think both people have to like figure out how to, um, have the same level of desire, but then they both need to realize that they're stewards of the other person's desire there. Mm -hmm. And it's better to marry than to burn. And and that's what they're there to be a source of provision and protection and enjoyment. And this is a tangible way of expressing love to each other for sure. So, uh, my for real final question that I'll ask you uh, when it comes to all of these things, or at least the ones that we've said, like, Hey, you know, this one, you know, if you just were to put it in a vacuum, it's not, it's not a bad thing to do with your spouse. It, um, it only becomes bad if you have certain motivations with, with those acts, um, like masturbating each other, for example, um, should the should the husband and wife be in agreement on the specific acts before they do them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's real hard to answer in a very simple way because you can just kind of have. Um, um, I, I think you, you know, for instance, I mean, you can have situations where, like, um, you know, one of the spouses just. Um, like let's say it's a wife or something like that. So normally, normally the wife is the one who is maybe like the husband's wanting to more, have more variety. More, yeah. yeah, and the wife is like um, not wanting to do that. Well, I mean, I think there's obviously things that like the Bible says, let your wife's breast satisfy you at all times. Mm-hmm. Like let your wife's breast satisfy. Why should you be satisfied by the breast of a, you know a strange woman or whatever else? Um, you know, in that way, like if a wife is insecure or something like that, and she, you know, just doesn't want you to view her like naked at all, right? Yeah. Or view that part of her body, or like those are off limits. Like just, you know, not allowed to see him, not allowed to whatever touch him, nothing. Like I think there's like a very real sense of well, you have like biblical commands there that the one person is violating, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not the husband. Like in that kind of arrangement, that's not the husband that's violating those commands. It's the wife that's violating those commands. So, like in that kind of thing, like I mean, I think what you have to what you have to do is you have to like look at like there is a very real like all right, a husband can run run a rough shot over the wife and that kind of thing and just say hey you just need to get over it and you know this belongs to me and like uh, whatever and so i mean i think that there's like a very real like she needs to change in that one right like she needs to change she's the one who is her conscience is tied to like very unbiblical things but i think there's a period of like hey like we have to face this together and getting counsel and getting help and you know and you can just be like totally like you know get over it right now you know period the end right but then like it isn't the kind of thing that should take like three years to get over (laughs) you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like being patient and being understanding is like hey you know i'm willing to be patient being understanding but what's the path here you know and like a path shouldn't be three years like at a certain point you like your body doesn't belong to you it belongs to me and like there's like you have to get over this, right? Like you have to surrender control over yourself and, you know, what I'm allowed to see and what I'm not allowed to see. And like that has to go. And, you know, maybe there's changes you need to make to your life to where you're okay with things that are very normal. And I think getting like a pastor's help, figuring out what's normal, what's not normal does go a long way to help. And I I think that there's just things that are utterly offensive to the one person um, 
that are not necessarily spelled out in scripture. I think getting like counsel is a good step. And I mean, I think trying to get on the same page is like obviously the best thing to do. And if you don't, if you're just kind of like you, um, do what I tell you to do, you know, whether or not it's like in both ways, you know? So, I mean, I've, I've heard of situations like that, like on the guy end. And then, I mean, there's, I've heard of situations like that on the girl's end too, where, you know, the girl wants to, you know, some very, some of the things we've said are off limits kind of thing from the guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like in that way, it's just like, you have to like, if there's like a big like disagreement, I think, you know, pausing is fine. Talking it through is fine. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, and, um, you know, but I mean, I've been in situations where, I mean, there's, I know of situations where the, you know, the girl is like, Hey, um, I don't want to even have sex with you. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable doing that. And then, you know, at that point you're having like very real, like that you need to wake up and realize what marriage is kind of conversations. Right. 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 (laughs) And so, so I think like trying to pause, trying to like, if there's just like a, whatever is being said is like off limits are things the Bible clearly says are on limits, right? Mm-hmm. Then people have to conform their mind to what the Bible says and go, I mean, it, I think that's a good ch- time for counseling and good time for help. You know, so there's not like a, a lot of it just depends on what are you talking about and is there scriptural warrant for that and that kind of thing. And, and there might, you know, there, there might be some place to say, I know that you feel like sex is wrong, but we're married. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you don't get to say it's wrong and you need to repent of that. And I expect you to repent of that. Right. Sure. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but then it may be that like, um, you know, certain levels of permissible variety, a person just tries to patiently bear with and, you know, talk about over time and you should be able to have conversations about it. To, at the very least and you know if you're definitely not on the same page get some help for sure right otherwise it'll eventually become something you know sex will eventually become something that no one looks forward to anymore because right you want it to be enjoyable you don't want it to be just a humiliating degrading act for both people right or one of one one of them yeah right okay well i think that's a good place um for us to wrap up the conversation on like we said at the beginning obviously this is this is just something you're not allowed to talk about. And, you know, we, we spelled out why, and some of those reasons are really good. And then, you know, some of those reasons aren't really as good. And, you know, uh, as you know, I was, I was someone who, um, you know, coming into marriage, I really, I had a lot of questions about this, but then I just, I felt so afraid to really ask any of them just because I had never even heard anyone talk about them. And, um, you know, and, and so, so part of, you know why we want to do this episode is just to help people think through these things because sex is just uh i don't i don't know that we always realize it but sex is something that you know most people throughout all of human history have have experienced and or will experience at some point uh in their life hopefully within the confines you know of a monogamous marriage and and so there's all these questions that come up especially in a society that that has, you know, idolized sex so much and, and, you know, physical pleasure as much as possible. And it's, it's everywhere. It's not, you know, it's not even just in on the porn sites anymore in the porn magazines. It's, it's everywhere. It's in all the TV shows. It's in the music videos, you know, it's on advertisements, it's everywhere. And, and so you can't, 
especially in our society, you cannot avoid this stuff. And so inevitably people are going to have questions and our hope is, you know, we want to come along and say, Hey, there are, there are answers to these questions and, you know, we want to provide them. We want to show people what God has said uh, and how we should think about these things so that we can honor God, because otherwise the rest of the world is going, they're going to give you answers too, but their answers aren't concerned at all with trying to honor God. And so hopefully this has been a helpful conversation. Uh, you know, like, like I say every week, we really appreciate all of your support. Uh, all of you who interact with us online, who email us, who, you know, private message us, uh, letting us know how much, um, the episodes that we're putting out have have been beneficial for you that's very encouraging to hear and the whole purpose for the podcast and so uh, we appreciate all of your support we appreciate your prayers for us we appreciate your financial support uh, and this really is something that that we look forward to to doing and and getting to know you guys as well along the way so we appreciate all that and we look forward to having you on the next one this has been another episode of bible bashed We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.